Hello and welcome to Cycling Talk with me, Georgia Mahoney. In this episode, I'm joined by Nick Craig. Nick talks to me about his cycling career beginning, his career highlights and the charity Ride for Charlie. Thank you for joining me today, Nick. Hi, how are you? Good, thank you. How are you? I'm all well, thanks. What was your first memory of riding a bike? Um... Crikey, that's a good question. Um, I think the the biggest memory um, of the early part of riding a bike was riding a bike with a punctured rear wheel, uh, no helmet, and pulling a wheelie, going off the bike backwards and getting a a concussion. So I wasn't very good at it, really. (laughs) Not very good memories then. <laughs> Not really. Uh, no, the, I think the memories of um, of the first moment of being able to ride a bike without stabilisers is the freedom that that brings. And uh, yeah, it's, it was a good feeling. Yeah. Do you remember the first time you got really excited about a bike? Uh, yes, I do. Yeah, it was a, <clears throat> a rally arena with 24 inch wheels and uh, I've actually got a photograph a great photo of me racing on it I was nine at the time Mm. and uh, that bike yeah that's that was a cool bike Mm. yeah it sounds really cool do you remember your first race I do remember my first race on that bike yes Mm. yeah it was in uh, Leverhulme Park in Bolton and I still they still hold races in the same place now. So, uh, yeah, I remember it was, um, it was a under 12s cyclocross race. And, uh, I'm pretty sure I rode in, uh, football shorts, a football shirt, uh, no helmet and the tires were bald as well. So I still enjoyed it. <laughs> were there many people racing against you? Um, I think we were probably in with the under 16s as well. Oh, wow. Um, it would be, they'd just have one uh, youth category or they call it schoolboy then. And uh, I think they probably had about 20, maybe, uh, I guess, maybe 30. So much smaller fields than, mm. uh, than we get nowadays. Yeah. What sort of riding were you doing when you first started? Um, I just started, um, my dad had, um, done the three pit, started, um, to race again and he raced before he started a family and he won the three peaks in 1963. So he decided that he was going to race cyclocross again. And I just went along to watch him a few times and thought, you know, I'm going to have a go at that. Yeah. Did you ride for a club? Um, yeah, I rode for, um, uh, in that early part, I can't tell you exactly what order the clubs were, but I rode for a local cycling club. Um, I rode for one called Hyde Olympic and I also rode for Glossop Bello at another time. Yeah. Did any other people in your family ride other than your dad? Uh, no, not really. No. Um, my sister did one race, but she didn't really like it, so uh, that didn't really uh, 
it, it's strange really there were very very few girls like racing cyclocross then and uh that's you know that's one thing now the, the fields are amazing and uh to see um how many girls are actually raced in it's you know in uh, particularly in the youth categories it's amazing what sort of training did you do as a youth you're asking that was a long time ago <laughs> <laughs> um we used to just ride our bikes we used to play on bikes and um i used to do uh quite a lot of touring so i used to go away youth hosteling and uh we call it bike packing now don't we <laughs> but um yeah we used to do a lot of uh, a lot of weekend tours uh, sometimes go for a week and uh, yes yeah, so cyclocross was um, something I really, uh, really enjoyed doing and everything I did in the summer was just kind of, it was always towards the cross season, everything was just, you know, we used to do some criteriums and I used to do a bit of track racing, but it was all filling in, waiting for the cross season. Yeah, I suppose cyclocross is something that you can do everywhere, like in a local park or you can always find somewhere that's good to ride. Yeah, we, we obviously uh, when when I started cyclocross, there was no mountain bike. So mm. um, until mountain bikes came along, it was it was what we used to to go out riding on the trails. So you know we used to go over Kinder Scout where I live on our cross bikes, and that's what we did. Um, and yeah, it was great fun. Yeah, how did you manage your training with your education? Um, <laughs> I think I just, <clears throat> I just made, uh, I, I used to just mix my training with my, my, my schoolwork really. I think in my era, the schoolwork, we didn't get anywhere near as much homework as you guys get mm. now. So we were really, uh, really lucky. <laughs> yeah. When was your first national race? Oh, um, I think we used to have a, I'm, I'm not sure if they still have it. Do they still have it? Do you know about ESCA, the English Schools Association? No, I, think it's I, kind don't, of, I don't think they have that anymore. No, so not a few years ago, I think they struggled to keep that going, but they had a school championship um, and it was uh, basically the English Schools Association for cyclocross. And they used to have, well, it wasn't just cyclocross, they used to have hill climbs, road races and cyclocross. And there, um, they held national championships for oh. for youths. So that was that was really cool. Um, and yeah, we used to travel. I can remember traveling when I was in my um, probably maybe by about fifteen. We started to travel up and down the country to the nationals. I remember going all the way to Bournemouth for a race once. And uh, yeah, it was it was a, a fair way to go. What were the number of riders like then? I wish you'd sent me these questions before. <laughs> <laughs> you did offer, but uh, mm -hmm. uh, I think it's really difficult. Maybe fifty or sixty, something like that. I'm guessing, really. Um, we used to get some. Uh, we we often had the national championships in Sutton Park in Sutton Coalfield, Birmingham, and that used to attract big fields. Um, and they used to start the race in one straight line across. They didn't grid it, yeah. and it used to be crazy. Um, just everybody going for the one, you know, one straight line into a, into a corner. 
But um, yeah, it was the racing was the courses were a bit different. They weren't as wide. They were a bit more narrow, single track, and they may they they, they often had a lot more steeper descents and steeper run ups as well than we than we seem to have in the UK now. Mm, yeah. When was the first time you raced internationally? Um, I was probably a junior. Um, I just failed to make it to the World Championship team and I got offered to go to a trip in Brittany the week after. And I think it was, I must have been 16 or 17. And Stuart, it was a great trip because Stuart Marshall had just won the Junior World Championships. And, you know, we'd not had a lot of uh, success. And uh, it it was great to to go and race in a place called Lanaville in Brittany. And that really inspired me to to want to travel more and race more. Um, So, yeah, uh, Bernardino was in that race. Mm. So yeah. he won the Tour de France a few times. When did you start racing mountain bike? So mountain bike came um, to the UK from, I think it came to the UK in about 86 or 87. So I was about 19 or 20. Mm. And I tried my first mountain bike. We went for a ride around Kinder Scout on some old muddy foxes. Um, some really big heavy bikes in November 1988 and we raced the following season we did a full season in 1989 and uh, it was a it was really exciting because it was a new a completely new sport and everyone was you know it it just felt like we were trailblazing this new uh, new sport and everybody seemed to it was growing and it was it was it was a fantastic atmosphere. How many people were doing it when it first started? So the fields were really big. Um, really? We, I'm trying to think of numbers. They were, we'd have races with maybe, uh, it was hundreds and hundreds right. of riders um, on the start line. And particularly the, the categories were a bit different. They had a sport category and it would be, you know, 200 riders. Um, and what's really amazing is um, there'd, there'd be a race like uh, the Malvern Classic at Malvern Hills. And there's some video footage of it now and the crowds are six and eight deep. Um, you know, everybody used to watch it and it was a really big thing. And it's really strange to think it used to be on TV. The National Series was on TV. And it was, you know, it was a big, big, exciting new sport. Wow. What do you think the difference is between national and international racing? In cyclocross or mountain bike or both or just? Both. <laughs> both. Um, the generally, you, I think in internationally, you're always, the, the, the field is always stronger in depth. So the fast guys, you know, you could be, you could have the best rider in the UK could be the best in the world but behind him or her the gaps would always be bigger in the UK so when you go to Europe every single space is full of a rider so the strength in depth is a a lot stronger and it, it, it makes 
it makes the starts more important. It makes the racing more difficult, but it also makes you a better rider. Um, it's sometimes really difficult if you only race internationally and then you come back to race in the UK. It can actually be quite hard to still win the races when 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 you really are the the fittest or the best. Mm. When did you first become national champion? Um, I won the schoolboy national champs, which is the youth uh, trophy, and it's the same trophy that Thomas, my eldest son, won as well. So, um, yeah, that's that. That was a good feeling. Um, that was in Lincoln. Was it a big field there? Probably fifty, uh, something like that, maybe. Um, it was it was different. You, it was on Lincoln Common. Um, it was muddy, slippy, hilly, off Cambury, but then there were uh, sort of wooded copse areas within the common, and there was a stile, so you just climbed over the stile, and that was kind of part of cyclocross, jumping over a stile. So obviously we don't do that anymore. Do you think that course suited you? Um, I think maybe it did. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it was. It was muddy. It was slippy. Um, I always like that. What about the first time you were mountain bike national champion? Uh, <clears throat> that would be, you, I'm trying to think what year that was. Um, I think I won the mountain bike champs three times and they were three years apart and the same in cyclocross. Um, winning a, a national title always was always a, a good feeling. Um, and I think we we had a really good, uh, strong scene in the UK in mountain bike and cyclocross. And mm. it, it always felt, um, it, you know, it was a relief to win a national series race, but it was always, always uh, a great feeling to win the national champs. Mm. You've raced the World Cup when it was in the UK. Did you think there would have been more events like this in this country? Um, we, we used to have, um, a round of the mountain bike world cup in, um, Plymouth. And I think that ran for three or four years in the nineties and huge crowds, amazing atmosphere. And it was brilliant to race world cup in your own country. And I think are you talking about the cyclocross world cup at Milton Keynes that, yeah. Yeah. Is that, yeah, that was incredible. Um, and I would love to see that. I, I, we, we, the whole family were re really, really enjoyed that weekend. And it was actually an amazing thing to have a national race the day after and a few of the guys to stay on and race. But mm. um, the organisation, the course, um, it, it was super. Yeah, I really, really enjoyed it. Mm. Can you tell me about your experience at the Sydney Olympics in 2000? Um, yeah, I... I, I I worked really hard to try and get selected for the Atlanta Olympics in 96 and uh, I didn't make it. So when the Sydney Olympics came around uh, four years later, I was really determined to, to do my best to get selected. Um, and it was a battle. It was a real battle. Um, the criteria was um, based on five World Cups and um, I'd had a, a small incident in February on training camp. Um, I'd fallen off a moped and um, oh. be, uh, 
another concussion. <laughs> um, so I was a bit out of action up until the first World Cup. So I was under a bit of pressure. The first World Cup was in uh, San Francisco. And I, I didn't really do what I needed to do. So I kind of left it to the very end race where it was in Italy, um, a place called Bolzano. And um, I managed to just about make the team. And that was a big relief. Um, actually going to the race was uh, an experience that I, I'll never forget. It was absolutely superb. I went there to do the mountain bike race. And the night before the mountain bike race, um, they asked me if I'd ride the road race as well. So I got to ride um, the road race, which was amazing. Really good experience. Yeah, it sounds like something really cool. Have you rode and competed in lots of different countries? Uh, quite a few, yeah. So the going back to when I first competed in Brittany, as a junior cyclocross rider, that really inspired me to want to travel. Um, so I'd never flown anywhere. Um, and it, we just, you know, it, it gave me the opportunity to go to Holland and France and Italy, um, Sardinia, um, and then mountain biking took me sort of to a good, you know, some really cool places in the world. And I just consider myself really lucky to travel through, through sport and through a job. Mm. Can you tell me about Three Peaks, which you've won three times? Uh, three Peaks is a, it, it, <clears throat> it is a cyclocross race, but it, it really doesn't, um, it doesn't compare to any other cyclocross race. So it's, it's been around a long time and obviously before mountain bike, um, so it, it's it, it's sort of crazy, really. That's probably the best way of describing it. And it, it's one of those things that um, you're never on the right bike. You always, you're, you know, you, you're walking, you carry in, you, 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 you know, you try and get over these three mountains. And, you know, on paper, if you look at three peaks, it doesn't really look that hard. Um, if you look at the profile, the amount of miles are on the road and all the rest of it. But for some reason, it just really takes it out of you. Mm. And we always, uh, I think pretty much most people that do it, the, the minute they finish it, they go, I'm never doing this again. Um, but usually that wears off after a week or two. And it, it's as like an addiction to it. It's, it's, it's a one-off event that feels really special. Um, and I'd highly recommend anyone that's never done it when they're old enough to, uh, to have a go. Yeah, I think I'd really like to try it because from what you said, it seems like a really nice event to do. Yeah, I, I hope you do it one day. <laughs> I do. Last year, you won the Masters World Championships in Mo. How was that experience? Um, that, was, <clears throat> that was different for me. Uh, I'd not raced internationally in cyclocross for a long, long time. And uh, it was something that we sort of, you know, it was Paul Oldham um, who writes for Hope. He kind of um, planted the seed with me and said, you know, he was going and I kind of didn't commit for a while and then just thought, you know what, I'm going to go and do this. And it was really, uh, it was in Moll. Um, and of course in Moll is very sandy. And that's something that I never really in my sort of uh, cyclocross career, um, we never really raced on the sand. Um, 
it's not something it's a completely different technique um so i had to learn pretty quick we got out there on the friday and me and paul rode around the course together and he could he just couldn't believe that i couldn't do it mm-hmm. every time he turned around i was 150 meters behind him every time we hit a sand um in the end he, you know i kind of got to grips with it and uh yeah got i got on with it um the gridding is always random at Masters Worlds, and there was 76 on the start line, and I was gridded number 71 or something. So I kind of had nothing to lose from the back, and I just went for it, and uh, yeah, it, it worked out, and it, it felt really good. Mm. Do you think you would try and defend it this year if it's on? Uh, I'd, I'd really like to, yeah. Um, it was in Mall. it was a year last December and I couldn't go back last December to defend it due to uh, an operation I needed to have. So um, there's a guy, basically uh, Darren Atkins, who came third when I raced it, who's uh, from Coventry, did uh, warn me that he said it's a, um, next year you won't win it because Eric Deckers um, turns 50 and... Uh, He's, um, he was 20 years uh, Tour de France pro mm. um, and he, he loves his Masters racing and sure enough, he did win it by about three minutes. So yeah. Yeah. I would have been quite happy to come second to Eric Decker, but um, I would definitely like to go and race. Um, I believe it's um, in January at the minute, if it all goes ahead, it's possibly in Mall in January. And then the following year, I believe it could be uh, in Ipswich. Yeah, I think a lot of people would like to to see you win it again. <laughs> oh, thank you. You're known for being the nicest guy in cyclocross. And I've actually met you and I definitely agree with that. My dad said that on his first national trophy, he was really nervous and you just rode alongside him and asked if he was okay. And I know he really appreciated that. Oh, that's really kind. Thank you. You've been racing big events for such a long time. How has the sport changed? Um, I think the sport's changed in, um, well, equipment's changed. Um, so equipment's got lighter. Um, it's probably got more expensive. Um, the whole sport's quite an expensive sport now. Um, it's it's different because more people are doing it, and yeah. uh, cyclocross particularly is, in, you know, it, it's incredible how many people are racing cyclocross now. Um, fields are full, and where I live, I don't particularly stick to one league because I live between the Northwest Yorkshire and the East Midlands. So I used to just go to whichever race was nearest to me mm. and not necessarily follow a league. And it's, it, it sort of made me think just recently that there could be, you know, 150 riders on the start line of a race, half an hour um, in one direction. If I went an hour to, into Yorkshire from home, there'd be 180 on the start line. And down in um, Derby, there'll be another 180 or 200 riders on the start line of a race. So I just can't believe that there's 600 people racing cyclocross all in this like small area um, on any one day, at any one time. And it's just, 
you know, it, it's just amazing how big, it, it, I think it's fantastic that it's so, um, it, it's so big and it, it's almost got, you know, it's causing problems now because car, the car parks aren't big enough and mm. people, you know, races are full um, and it's it's getting more difficult um, to, to put the races on, I think, for, for the organisers. Um, what is really exciting is to see so many uh, women and girls um, competing in cyclocross as well. That's That's superb. Yeah, I think cyclocross is really accepting and welcoming to everybody and I've been to the national races a few times to support my dad and it's surprising how many people are there and how kind they all are helping everybody. Yeah I'd, I'd agree it's such a friendly cyclocross is such a friendly family really and that's that's what it feels like one big family and obviously that family changes people you know some people have been doing it forever and there's new people and everybody welcomes everybody. And um, I, I, you know, it's one of the reasons I, I still love to, to compete. Mm. I know your wife, Sarah, is your pit woman. Um, have you always had somebody in the pits? Um, yeah, in recent years, um, I've, you know, I've, I've had uh, a lot of help. Um, so Alan Gascoigne and Mick Gascoigne, um, did most of my uh, my pitting over the last few years. Um, Sarah's got a bit more involved recently, and um, she she's actually really enjoying doing the pitting for me, um, even though that's not allowed this winter. Um, she she actually said to me the other day she misses it. <laughs> I really like the atmosphere in the pits. It's so cool seeing everybody just running to get their bikes jet washed and everything. It's, I think it's really cool. Yeah, I, I, um, I, I, you know, the racing's the easy bit. Um, I think, you know, if you look at the workload of uh, a pit crew, um, carrying the water, jet washing every, you know, last winter, it was pretty much half lap bike changes from October right through to January. Mm. And that's incredible amount of work. And I know Sarah at the end of um, the hour long race would be, uh, as tired as I as I am from racing it so it's a, a real sort of team effort and um, you know it's no racer um, is you know without the pit crew the nobody and um, I think we're we're going to find that out this winter when we can't have pit crew so uh, it's going to be really interesting. Yeah it must be really frantic for the pit crew. <laughs> yeah yeah I crashed in the national championships last year in the elite race and um i bent the rear mech um and i do only have two bikes so sarah um i I told sarah and she had like four minutes to uh to try and wash the bike and try and get the hanger straightened and it was just amazing really because um sarah got some help obviously when it gets really crazy um we live in the northwest and um a really good friend Craig was helping Sarah and he just said I know a man that can sort that straight away um and this guy unzipped his jacket and he had a full toolkit inside his jacket <laughs> he put a, an allen key into the rear mech and he just bent the hanger straight and it turns out that guy is actually a world cup downhill mechanic and he oh, was right. just pitting for his wife so I was really lucky uh that was uh, you and yeah oh, wow. so Thank you.
How has your year been affected by coronavirus? Um, <clears throat> it's been uh, it's it's been really strange, actually. I as strange for everybody. Uh, in the first part, I couldn't work, so um, I got quite a lot of riding done. Um, I really enjoyed the the weather um, and the quiet roads, so that was that was fine. Um, I did miss mountain bike racing, but I had a, a real hope that um, things would be safe for us to do cyclocross, and I've been hanging on to that hope. Um, and you know, I'm, I am actually enjoying doing some racing. Um, I raced the national two weeks ago, and I raced um, a race in Yorkshire uh, last weekend. And I'm actually going to the northeast this coming weekend. And I'm I'm kind of racing every weekend I can at the minute because um, I'm not too sure how long we're going to be able to race for. We, you know, it could all just get shut down. So uh, I'm just enjoying it for, for what it is now. Work's picked up again. Um, everybody decided to buy bikes. So, um, my, you know, I'm involved with Scott, uh, Scott Sports. So it's been a busy summer. And, um, yeah, it's it, it's it's a strange time. And um, I'd... I, you know, I'd much prefer we were back where we were um, before the pandemic, and I really hope that we can um, we can get our get ourselves um, through and beyond um, the pandemic, really, and um, that COVID does uh, go away with a, a vaccine or something. Yeah, I think everybody's hoping that. What do you do with Scott bikes? So I'm. Uh, <clears throat> I started off as a technical rep for them. So I would um, go to visit shops and help um, train staff on the bikes and the technologies and anything to do with um, anything to do with Scott bikes. Um, <laughs> I support the sales team and also the marketing team. So if a bike's delivered to a journalist, um, I often deliver the bike um, for the marketing coordinator and uh, yeah it's it's a really nice job I've done it for 14 years now. Mm. So I first knew about Ride for Charlie when I saw the big bubble hats at the time I didn't know who Charlie was or anything about Ride for Charlie can you tell me a bit about Charlie? Um, <coughs> Charlie just loved um, Charlie loved his racing um, Charlie actually loved any bike riding, um, but Charlie loved most things actually. Um, he he could knit, sew. He had a a brother sewing machine. He used to make um, bags, and um, he could you know he's really creative. Um, uh, he could fly fish. Um, he could sea fish, and um, he had a he had a, a, a special um ability to um to talk to all ages from you know grandmas and grandpas to little ones um he always had time for people and um he he had a certain way with him so he was he was very well liked can you tell me a bit about ride for charlie yeah, so what we did um, <clears throat> after after Charlie died, we um, we decided to set up a um, a, a fund um, and a foundation that would 
um, help um, young riders um, experience the things that Charlie was lucky enough to experience. So uh, Charlie got to race in Belgium and Holland and um, on in cyclocross, and he absolutely loved it. Um, he was, you know, he, he thought it was the best thing ever, and all he, all he wanted to do was be a bike rider. Um, so we, you know, that those opportunities came through family and uh, really good friends. So um, Duncan and Sally uh, Lewis um, actually took Charlie to Belgium, and uh, he, you know, he he was. He just thought it was the best thing ever. So we thought it'd be a really good idea to set up a ride for Charlie um, for off-road cycling, so cyclocross, mountain bike, and um, and you know if we could then award um, and help people, yeah, young people experience what Charlie did. So that's that's what we do. Um, we've just. Um, just allocated uh, this winter's uh, cyclocross ride for Charlie uh, trips. We had uh, 16 uh, youngsters write to us. Um, and we've, uh, it, obviously with the pandemic, it's really difficult to know where the trips will go ahead. Um, and it's going to be difficult for the, the youngsters. But they've written to us with a, you know, a, they, they, like you, they didn't some didn't know Charlie some were his peers and raced with Charlie um but what we hope is that the journeys and trips uh, that people go on it's not just about performance it's about the experience and enjoying the the travel the people and the whole the whole thing that we talked about before that cyclocross brings so that's the that's the aim and uh, Toby Barnes who won the first national trophy uh, went to Sweden last weekend for two races that were UCI uh, uh, elite races and um, that was um, supported by Ride for Charlie so that's uh, one of the uh, 16 trips already done so fingers crossed and hoping that we'll get more uh, we'll, those youngsters will get to do those trips um, and you know to to give Toby some credit here that was really creative to think um about going to race in Sweden where he wouldn't have to quarantine when he comes back. And, um, you know, that, that really worked out well for him. So he had two great races, um, and those stories from him. So that, that hopefully would inspire a youngster that didn't know Charlie to, to maybe write to us in the future. So we just hope that it snowballs really into, uh, and you know, when people write to us, the the things that they write are so so lovely that you know the the reasons why they're writing to us because they they didn't know they knew Charlie or they didn't know Charlie or they saw that somebody else did a trip or they'd heard about Charlie and what a kind person he was and how much he enjoyed his racing so yeah it's it's a it's a great thing and um, the support from people that you know obviously this year it's a, a difficult year. Um, and people are still going out uh, raising money for Ride for Charlie um, and yeah, supporting us. So it's a, it's a great thing to, I just want to say thank you on behalf of us all. It's a really amazing thing and I think it's really good. How can people support Ride for Charlie? Um, really, um, you can 
support ride for Charlie, um, buying a big bobble hat, um, uh, big bobble hats, um, donate um, a, a good chunk of the the money that you um, pay to to have a big bobble hat, or um, you could do uh, a challenge and try to raise money um, for Ride for Charlie. Um, people do all sorts of things. Um, uh, the two Scots rode from uh, Scott Easter and um, Scott Chalmers both rode from Glasgow all the way to uh, Inverness um, this summer. And also Joe Brooks rode the North Coast 500. Um, but there's lots of other things going on as well. People, you know, lots of people um, raise money for Ride for Charlie and also for Cry as well. So Cardiac Risk in the Young is uh, another um, thing that, you know, that all the screening for youngsters um, from 14 to 35 and it's it's on hold just at the minute, but people also raise money for Cry in memory of Charlie. So we hold um, we held two days last year a screening at Charlie's primary school in Hayfield and screened, I think it was 215 uh, youngsters. So, um, you know, all that, all that that goes on, people are so, so kind to, to think and, and be creative and think about how to raise money to arrive for Charlie. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's super to see and, you know, people do all sorts of things and it's just wonderful. Yeah. I actually spoke to Scotty and he, told me about his ride with um the other scott and it seemed like a really good thing and i think i'd really like to do something to raise money for ride for charlie oh that's great thank you where's your favorite place to ride for fun um i one of my favorite places is mallorca porta palenza and that is road riding um but there's just something about riding a road bike round uh, round Mallorca. Um, Charlie really liked it there as well. Um, so we had probably the sort of from eleven to fifteen. Charlie went to Mallorca probably twice a year, and he just absolutely loved it. And we we all love it. So we're we're very fond of. Um, Mallorca. I also love to ride off-road right from my house. So I love to ride around Kinder Scout and um, all the local trails um, where we live. Where's your favourite place you've ever raced? Oh, <laughs> oh that's really tricky. I've, I've raced in some amazing places. Um, probably one of the coolest races was one of the early napa valley races in san francisco um where they had i was doing a world cup and they had a disco flyover so it had a like a loop the loop and they had a dj playing and it was just a, an amazing thing but one of the coolest places i think i visited twice was cairns in australia once for the world cup in uh, 1995 and then the following year in 96 it was the world championships um and that was that was a great place mm. who's your favorite current rider i really enjoyed watching the world championships mountain bike last weekend um and avancini is very very uh, likable um it's nice to see 
you know, it, it's, it'd be easy for me to, to say I, 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 I'm in awe of how Nino Schurter um, fights and fights and fights and wins races. He's an absolutely amazing. He's an amazing man. And, uh, but I also, uh, I enjoy it when somebody uh, pushes him really hard. And I think um, this year, uh, Avancini, um was really quite good to watch at the uh, the World Cup finals and the World Championships. So all I know is that those challenges are what will make Nino come back next year. So I think we'll see. Uh, I think we'll see uh, Nino fighting back next year as well. So the bat those battles really. I don't have anyone in particular. Just uh, enjoy watching the battles. Yeah, we all watched as a family. We all watch the mountain bike and I love seeing it when while people are battling against each other because you just don't know who's going to win. Yeah, I think uh, the, the the women's race was amazing, wasn't it, with yeah. Eva Lechner? Um, just that sprint finish and Isla Short finishing fifth, that was that, that made our day. So, uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's just great to see, great to see the success. Um, so in cyclocross, um, I really enjoyed watching Sven Nies, um you, I used to say to the boys when we watched on TV, just watch him. You know, he might have been in 17th place at a World Cup and he would just work his way through. And it's the way he really used his energy perfectly, his technical, tactical and physical uh, combination, which is, for me, the best cyclocross riders are, are good at all three. And um, that's that's what uh, Sven was amazing at and uh he was a pleasure to watch so he's probably my favorite um favorite rider so do you think that Sven Nice is your favorite rider of all time i do yeah um cyclocross is my favorite sport and uh to watch Sven um work his competitors out and and uh, deliver his performance was um was really good and the you know Years ago, when we didn't have TV, you wouldn't be able to actually watch him like you can watch now. And I just, for youngsters to to watch some of the old videos on YouTube of how Sven won races, if you watch him coming from the back through the field, is really, really clever and really, really efficient. So, yeah, he's my favourite rider. What sort of training do you do now and how do you focus for different disciplines? Um, so training now at my age, I the main thing is I I do uh, racing and ride, uh, training because I enjoy it. So I don't have any specific training plans or program. I just kind of know what to do because I've been doing it for so long. Um, I really enjoy um, riding and training. Um, and I think the most important thing is knowing when to rest. So um, that for me, if I, the, the hardest thing is I love riding my bike. So I often ride my bike too much. So um, for instance, today, I've not ridden at all today and the weather was amazing. Um, I had, uh, I wasn't working for Scott today. I was just doing stuff for myself. So I could have easily have gone out on my bike today, but um, I just uh, made sure I didn't go out. Yeah. What advice would you give to young riders? Um, I would to any any young rider um, to enjoy um, enjoy all of it. Enjoy do what you enjoy doing. Um, 
don't take it too serious um and have fun smile and don't expect too much from yourself um i think expectation i see a lot of riders that um expect to perform and expect you know to to be somewhere doing a certain you know to be at a certain level and i i think that's a real shame um to expect it and it, it that's usually what um, makes the sport less fun for them so um just to keep keep riding keep smiling and keep having fun and at the end of the day when you start when you get to the start line of a race that you've trained for the work's all done so the the fun bits to uh, to come so i i always enjoy the racing and i would say just to make sure you 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 um you do enjoy it i think that's really good advice oh thank you you've got five minutes before the start of a race what's on your playlist to get you motivated <laughs> um five minutes before a race on the, my playlist i i'm usually talking to somebody with five minutes to go i wouldn't even be playing music um so I'm, I, I kind of thrive in the environment rather than in the music, if that, if that makes sense. Um, I used to, when I was racing World Cup and it was my job, I used to go into like a zone. I, I definitely went into like a, I'm kind of in this um, very focused. People used to say they'd look at me racing and they could see in my eyes that I was, you know, I was so focused on riding. Um, but I still always used to have a laugh and a giggle and a chat and it's kind of used to get rid of any nerves. I didn't really, I didn't really want to get nervous. Like a, if I felt some nerves, I used to just talk to people and you know, that kind of was the way I uh, relaxed really. And it's just, yeah, it was, I, I love it. Uh, and you know, at the end of the day, the whole thing's about people. We, you know, we're, we're, we're all one big family, aren't we? And everybody shares the, 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 uh, to share the performance you know if i if i you know people seem to really enjoy it when i w won a race or when i was doing well in a world cup or something and that really made me feel good because i you know it's so kind of them to think that you know my performance made them happy um one one of the things that i um always well one of the things i realize is i could never i was never good enough um and i think some people base their happiness on the performance and i wouldn't do that because if i did well if i did i'd have quite a miserable time because i didn't win very many races you know i know you could you guys could probably go of course you did you won national champs or whatever but i was racing world cups and olympics i was never going to win you know if i got a top 10 that was like that was me winning if i was if i was staring at a wall um listening to um you know, something on Spotify. Um, it could be something like um, James Brown would always get me excited, but that's, you know, that's the stuff I used to listen to in the 90s, really. Um, so, yeah, any 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 kind of uh, sort of funk music, really. I used to like that. Thank you for joining me today, Nick. No problem. really enjoyed it. Thank you. You can find out more about Ride for Charlie on their Instagram at Ride for Charlie or by visiting their website rideforcharlie.com. You can also support them by buying Ride for Charlie products like hoodies, t-shirts and window stickers. 
Big Bobble Hats do some awesome hats in support of Ride for Charlie and you can find them at bigbubblehats.co.uk I would really like to do something in support of Ride for Charlie and I'll be planning something for 2021. I hope you enjoyed this episode. You can find our Instagram at cycling.talk.podcast and you can find our podcast on Spotify, Acast or via my website. We now have a Twitter account at cycling underscore talk so you could check that out as well. And if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to share it with your family and friends. See you on the bike.